everyone. This is Melissa, and I'm the talkative introvert. Remember in season one when I said I wasn't going to talk about anything controversial? Well, comes to find out those are the best ones to talk about. So in today's episode, I'm going to talk about modern day feminism and men's rights. What I've learned, especially in this past year, is that everyone has been, in some way or another, oppressed or have some type of struggle. Everyone in this world has dealt with some type of hardship. Yet people are fighting about who struggles more important, which one deserves more attention, which one's better, which one's worth fighting for, which one's worth posting about on social media, and which one is most profitable for the news. It's turned into this type of competition on who is more oppressed, when in reality, everyone's struggles are valid and unique to the individual, and each and every single one matters. So why am I talking about men's rights in modern day feminism? This came about from a YouTube video I watched by Aubin Preach, and it made me want to look further into men's rights. So if you haven't watched Aubin Preach, they're pretty hilarious. I really love their channel. Um, they basically say what I'm thinking, and they're pretty funny. They're two comedians. I believe in Canada or something, but they, they have a YouTube channel, but it's called Abba and Preach, A-B-A and Preach, P-R-E-A-C-H. Anyway, so they were reacting to a video where feminists and men's rights activists sat down together to have a conversation. Unfortunately, the video they were reacting to wasn't a very productive one and ended up making both sides look kind of bad. So it wasn't that great of a conversation. It didn't help also that the people who created this video, I can't remember who it was, things like Jubilee or one of those types of uh, YouTube channels, if you know what I'm talking about. Um, but they ended up including a self-proclaimed incel on the men's side. And then they also didn't include a feminist who was willing to, one, listen to the men's activists, and two, didn't provide a feminist who is knowledgeable in the facts and uh, about what feminism, the feminine, ugh, the feminine feminism movement is fighting for. So it wasn't a very fruitful conversation. Anyways, one of the guys actually came into this conversation prepared with some of the issues men struggle with. And he was actually very insightful because I never really thought about the issues that he talked about and he provided facts along with it. Uh, but he was specifically talking about issues in America, not any other country. I don't know anything about any other country, so I'm only going to talk about America. But these are issues where or men are currently facing in America today. And I never really looked into it or never really researched it. I remember the first time I heard about men's rights and men's rights activists. And I honestly thought at the time that it was a complete joke. I was like, this can't be serious. What else could they possibly need or want? And I thought back then, you know, they're just doing this just to get back at the feminists that they're essentially a bunch of incels who are just mad at females and mad at women and hate women, blah, blah, blah. And they're just creating this group to, I don't know, counteract all the work that feminists were doing. It was very negative. I didn't think much of it, but I also was really young at the time. And <laughs> I think I was like in high school, the first time I've heard about them and I just didn't take it seriously. And I didn't do bother to, 
look it up or look up the research or look up what issues they're fighting for. I just, you know, dismissed it and thought it was a complete joke. But the older I get, the more I learn that the world doesn't revolve around you, (laughs) that there are other people in this planet that we have to coexist with, that everyone deserves to be heard regardless of ethnicity, religious affiliation, political affiliation, age, orientation, gender. I mean, really, the list goes on. And honestly, it's kind of sad that it took me this long to really even look into what men's rights are. You know, it took a YouTube video for me to look into it further. And so that's why I wanted to do this episode, because even though I don't have a whole lot of listeners and I'm not super famous or anything like that, you know, at least I can share what I found in my research with the very few who actually listen to this podcast. So thanks for listening. And I hope you listen all the way to the end because um, I think these are valid things to learn about uh, when it comes to men's rights and modern day feminism. First off, I do want you to know that I do consider myself as a feminist. I grew up in a very traditional conservative household and my dad was super sexist, which makes sense because of his upbringing. My dad came from a very old school generation. He was born in the 1930s. So it makes sense why he is the way he is. And it's just something like sexism or, you know, looking down on women or not seeing women as an equal. It's just something that was instilled in him. It's what he knows. It's what he grew up with. So I understand why he is the way he is, but it did make growing up pretty difficult as his daughter. Uh, we used to butt heads all the time and get into arguments. And we've literally yelled at each other before because I can be a little outspoken. And um, I'm not like really afraid of my dad, I guess, but he, some people are kind of afraid of him. He's pretty, uh, uh, what's the word? Intimidating. He's pretty intimidating, but I just, I hated that. I didn't like every time he put down women or said anything bad about women or anything like that. So I, I always, especially like middle school, high school, I always felt like I needed to say something every time he said something. Plus we didn't have like a great relationship anyway. So I didn't care that I was kind of talking back to him. But anyways, that's a different story. Um, but anyways, growing up. So. Yeah, we used to butt heads and I did grow up in, like I said, a traditional conservative household. So my mom, for example, even though she was the breadwinner, she was the main income holder. She still was expected to do like the, the stereotypical female responsibilities, like household chores and cooking and cleaning and all that stuff. My dad was on disability. So my mom had to step up and be the breadwinner of the household, but she still did all the other stuff as well. Um, not saying that my dad didn't do anything. He did clean, but it's not, I guess, to the same extent to all the things that my mom did because she also grew up in that conservative household where the woman does certain things. 
And along with that, like along with my mom, you know, fulfilling the stereotypical female role in the household, you know, I used to always get told like, I can't do certain things or I can't have certain things because those things are for boys. And I, I hate that so much. And I hate when people do that. Like I hate when parents say that to their kids or to their daughters or even to their sons. Like if your son wants to buy something pink, like wants the pink Corvette over the the red one or the blue one, just let him have it. <laughs> Why does it matter? In the long run, like it really doesn't truly matter. They're going to end up being who they end up being in the future. So let them have the pink toy and let them have the blue toy. And then I also grew up with my dad saying things that, like I said, are pretty sexist. Like he would say things like, well, you know how women are or you know, well, she's a woman, stupid comments like that. And it was really frustrating growing up because he would literally say that to other men right in front of me. So like, if he didn't care that I heard him say that, which was very (laughs) frustrating. I actually remember when I was uh, doing research for this and writing out my outline, it reminded me of a time where I was in the car with him and my cousin. So my cousin was driving and my dad was in the passenger seat and I was in the back and my dad was talking English. Um, and then he lowered his voice and said something sexist in Tagalog to my cousin because we passed by a female driver who made some type of mistake. I can't remember what she did. Uh, but my dad, you know, like said that was because she was a woman was why she made that mistake. And I just remember vividly at the time in my head, I was like, are you serious? (laughs) First of all, I can still hear you. And second, hello, I can understand you. As my father, you should know I understand the very language you literally speak to us at home. And I did call him out on it, but he kind of just laughed it off like he does with everything I say about that subject. Not to like paint my dad as this terrible, horrible person. I mean, he had his moments, but he had some good things about him. But when it comes in the world of like sexism, he definitely was not, let's just say he didn't get a number one father of the year mug on Father's Day. So with that said, I know what it's like to be treated unfairly as a female and to be seen a certain way. So that's why I consider myself as a feminist because I do want to see equality and I do want to be seen as equal to, to men and to, I think all genders should just be seen as equal because we're all just human. And that's, you know, my feminist standpoint is all about fighting for equality and fighting for everyone to being on the same, uh, playing field level field, what is it called? Whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> but we're all seen as equal and that um, to not be seen as equal would be up to the ind- individual, if that makes sense. So like, I think, uh, like I like the phrase innocent until proven guilty, you know? So like everyone is innocent and everyone is equal until they're proven otherwise. And that's, that's my, my take on feminism. Because I do have some issues with modern day feminism. And I say modern day because I'm talking about like now, not, you know, back in the day when they were fighting for women's rights to own property or to vote or something like that. I'm talking about like now and specifically now in America, because I know other countries, like I said, I don't know 
um, I'm not in, in those other countries and I'm not knee deep into their social issues, but I do know a little bit, um, about how other countries are when it comes to feminism. And I know that here in America, we're pretty privileged to have gotten as far as we have when it comes to equal rights. I know there's still some sexist laws out there. Um, but I'm saying as compared to some other countries, we're definitely way farther along in this department. And I'm definitely grateful for that. So my main gripe with modern day feminism is how it's currently being viewed as really no longer fighting for equality, but more about punishing men and putting them down. And the biggest issue being how it's in media and how feminists are perceived in media as man-haters and how those types of feminists are the ones used for representing this population. And it definitely does more harm than good for this cause, especially in those stupid BuzzFeed and like Jubilee type videos. I personally think those videos are pretty toxic which is ironic because I think they're trying to not be toxic and they're trying to point out toxicity in our society, but I feel like they just do more harm. And most of the time they don't even speak to what real the real issues are. And they kind of just make these stupid videos that doesn't help anybody because the problem I have with the video I mentioned earlier and with just various YouTube videos is that women who are involved in these videos or are recorded for, or, you know, asked to be on these videos, they tend to not want to listen to the men. And sometimes women are even just irritated or angry before the conversation even starts. So they already made a judgment in their head about how the conversation is going to go. And they've already created a persona for that individual before they even got to meet them or got to listen to what they have to say. And that kind of behavior really ruins it for women and really ruins it for the real cause and the real feminist activists who are trying to fight for equality because it feeds into the stereotype that we're all too emotional and don't have the ability to have a level-headed, rational conversation. And when that happens, you know, it, it really diminishes our stance and really makes a joke out of us and makes a joke out of, you know, feminists. So that's why I think especially those types of videos are super toxic and super unhelpful. <laughs> It reminds me of one of these videos. So, uh, BuzzFeed specifically created a man spreading video. And there's like a lot of these kinds of videos where really it's just women complaining about men, things men do and not really focusing on real issues. So this one video I remember watching like forever ago and it was all about man spreading. So man spreading is like when a guy sits down, he doesn't, you know, cross his leg or close his legs and he, you know, spreads his legs, man spreading. And there's a whole video about it. There's a whole video about how men spreading is wrong, how um it's just another way for men to exert their power and blah, blah, blah. Like it was just like this whole video about like how we need to stop men 
from sitting like how men do, <laughs> like telling them to stop manspreading. And I remember my husband seeing that and saying, well, I don't sit like that to exert power. I do that so I don't pinch my balls when I sit, which makes sense if you think about it. And we as women, because women were the one that did the video, we don't understand what it's like to have those things dangling between our legs. So why are we doing a video about it? Maybe some men do it to exert power, but I think it's really just as simple as, well, they don't want to pinch their balls. You know, that's from what I've heard and witnessed, you know, when guys get hit in the balls, it hurts really bad. So why would they want to sit uncomfortably? So those videos, they really just, they're stupid. They're unnecessary. They're very just spreading unnecessary hate against men for something as stupid as how they sit down. And these videos just don't really talk about the issues that really matter. You know, they don't talk about bodily autonomy or just the mere issue of not being seen as an equal. They're just talking about what things, what men do that irritate women, which I mean, could be a video in itself, but I don't think, um, it could be like a good comedic video. You know, there's definitely things that, you know, all genders do that are stereotypically funny to talk about. Sure. But to like go to the extent where they want men to stop sitting a certain way. I don't know. It's just not, it's not a real issue. No one cares. That's not going to, you know, that's not going to, it's not going to eradicate sexist laws, you know, if they manspread. So it's, it was a stupid video and I just didn't understand. It wasn't comedic. Like if it was comedic, then I would get it and I would think it was funny, but it wasn't. And then another problem I have with modern day feminism, it's just all the hypocrisy, you know, women in media talk heinously about men and generalizes them and stereotypes them and say, and say just completely awful things when isn't that the very thing we're fighting against? As feminists, aren't we trying to change the minds of people, to show them that we aren't all the same, that we can't be placed in this bubble, that we're all individuals with our own different sets of characteristics? But yet that's becoming more and more common in media, in movies, in TV shows, in YouTube videos, in social posts, social media posts. It doesn't make sense. It feels like some women want to just bring down men and place them beneath us when the purpose of this movement is to fight for equality. Then sometimes there's issues where women only want to be equal when it's convenient to them. As goes with, you know, pr basically all movements. They only want what they want when it's convenient to them. But, you know, an example is this whole debate about how it's unfair Men are required to register with the selective service in the event the government needs more men to be drafted into war. And, you know, for me, obviously, I don't want to do it. <laughs> I don't want to register. I sure as hell don't want to go into war and be forced into it. But at the same time, if we want to be equal, we can't be all picky choosy about when it's okay to fight for equality or not. You're either all in or you're not, you know? So as much as I don't want to, I would, because how's that fair? You know, why do men have to go, but not women? And even though we want to be equal to men. So if you want to be seen as equal, then we should sign up for it to register for it. 
Uh, but not gonna lie. I'm probably not gonna register unless I'm, <laughs> I have to, <laughs> but you know, I'll do it when, if, when that time comes. And I do feel like that time will come, but hopefully we'll never have to get drafted. And hopefully there's enough people who enlist in the military so we don't have to do that. So thanks to all the guys and to all the women who enlisted in the military so that we don't have to get drafted. Then I also learned about this term called locker talk, where men talk negatively about women. And some feminists think that you know, locker talk is wrong and that men who identify as allies to women should work to eliminate that kind of talk with their buddies. And when I heard about that, I was thinking, well, wait a second. How's that any different from when women get with their girlfriends and talk shit about men? So should we not be doing that either? But is there isn't a term for when women do that. And I was thinking, can you imagine if men told us that we couldn't do that? We would be outraged. We would say, you can't tell us what we can't or can't do or talk about. And it just, the hypocrisy of all these, you know, so-called feminists is astounding because they're not thinking about it if the tables were turned, you know, like if their behavior is toxic to men, for some reason, that's okay. But it's not. If we want to be equal to men and want to be treated fairly, then we we need to also treat men fairly and equally to us. And I feel like some feminists just, they need a reminder that we're not here to control men. We're not here to take everything away from them. We're here because we need to coexist and we need to find a way to respect and treat each other fairly and kindly. Because at the end of the day, whether you like it or not, we need each other. (laughs) So we need to coexist and we need to find a way that, you know, is healthy for all genders. And that is why I wanted to look into the men's right activist movement. Because I am a big believer in the golden rule. Treat others like how you want to be treated. If you want to be heard and want others to be open-minded and to listen to your struggles and your issues and to not be ridiculed and for them to take your issues into consideration, you should be able to do the same for others because we all struggle. We all have something we're trying to overcome. So I didn't want to dismiss this without first learning about it. And I wish I could tell my high school self that. (laughs) Little brat. Do your research first. So I will add a link to the National Center for Men's website so you can also read it for yourself. Not gonna lie, it's really lengthy and very wordy. Uh, The website itself is not very pretty. (laughs) It's mostly words, but it's, it has a lot of, a lot of information. So if you have the time, if you're bored, if you're curious, go check it out. I also found a very useful Reddit post where uh, someone actually did a paper on it, listing all the current issues men face in America and the resources to back it up. So if you don't want to go read the National Center for Men's website, this one actually puts it in a very nice, short, like straightforward, bulleted list of all the different issues. And they even added the resources to back it up, which is amazing because I almost didn't do this episode because I didn't want to do all that work. So thanks to 
The username is dnnastiness1992, or however you want to, or however you pronounce your username. But thank you for doing all that work so I didn't have to, and I could still do the episode. So from um, the Reddit post, because I'm going to go through that, it's a little easier. I wanted to share some of the items that I thought were pretty interesting. I'm not going to go through all of them because there's quite an extensive list. So if you want to go check that out, again, I'm going to put that link in the show notes. So go check it out. It is it is pretty interesting, and there's a lot of resources linked to it that are are good reads if you have the time. Again, it's a lot. So the first one on the list was actually pretty interesting. So it states men charged with a crime were found to be 165% more likely to be convicted than women. And men were found to get 63% longer sentences than women if convicted of the same crime. So even though they do the same thing, men are in prison or jail or whatever longer than women, which I thought was pretty interesting because that's pretty (laughs) unfair. And then the second one, uh, men are more likely to die from cancer, but between men's and women's cancers, much less tax funding is allocated to cancer research investigating treatment for men's cancers, even considering per death from each cancer. So research for men's cancers received less than 34% as much public funding as research for women's cancer by the American Cancer Society in 2018, which... I totally can see that because whenever you go to the grocery store or wherever, you know, even like Petco, like whatever, any store, you know how they ask you, do you want to donate a dollar to blah, blah, blah. Most of the time it's to like breast cancer research or it's to like, I've, I'm pretty sure I've like donated to like ovarian cancer. And like, um, now they think back on all the times a store asks, it is mostly related to women's cancer. And I just never really thought about it at the time. And I didn't know that actually that more men die from cancer, but yet um, cancer related to men received less funding and less public funding. So it makes it seem like society just doesn't put value on men's health, like in general, which I thought was crazy. And then this next one, being a man sharply decreases likelihood of having custody of one's own child in the case of a custody dispute. And that kind of reminded me of a movie, but I can't, can't remember the movie, but where the dad lost custody of his kids and the wife won it, even though she was an awful person. I thought this was interesting too, because, you know, just because you're your mom doesn't make you like worthy of having your children's custody or worthy of being a mother to these children. Women are human, you know, they make mistakes too. And not everyone should be a mother. And I think when it comes to custody court cases, it really should just go to the person who's most fit to be taking care of their children. I don't think it really should depend on gender necessarily. And then another one is that men constitute over 40% of intimate Partner violence victims. As of 2017, it is estimated that there are over 2,000 women's only shelters, but to the knowledge of the author, only 10 or only two men only shelters. So men don't have the same resources as women when it comes to domestic violence or partner violence, which I think is pretty insane. Um, I believe though in Sacramento, like even though 
their women's shelters, like I believe the Tubman House, if that's still around, I can't remember. I think they do still invite, allow men to stay there if they're dealing with domestic abuse. I think it does depend on the agency or the shelters, but I think some, even though they're specifically for women, still welcome men. But again, that doesn't dismiss the fact that there's like over 2,000 shelters, but only like two that the author could find for men. I think that's insane because it'll mention later in this paper that, you know, men who are considered victims of domestic abuse or rape or whatever aren't seen as victims. And this paper does, you know, speak to that as well, that society doesn't really see men as rape victims, you know, like in movies and TV shows and whatnot, you know, men who are raped, it's like, they don't consider it as rape because it's like, well, you should have liked it because you're a guy, you know, you should be lucky that you had sex with someone, blah, blah, blah. And so it dismisses or yeah, it dismisses, you know, men who are victims of domestic violence and of rape. And it reminds me of like Terry Crews, for example, during the Me Too movement, he talked about how he was sexually assaulted but people made fun of him for it. Like, I think it was Wendy Williams or something. And she did get backlash for it, but not really, like, not that bad. <laughs> like, she's still around. I don't think she got canceled, you know. But she made fun of him because, you know, he's this big, tough-looking guy. And he's coming out with his truth that he was sexually assaulted, but... She thought it was a complete joke and he, she made fun of him for it. And I was like, that's still his body. The other person still requires his consent to touch him. You know, whether you're female or male, like it's your body. It's still your body. And that made me really hate Wendy Williams. I mean, I don't like her anyways and I don't watch her show. But when she said that, I was like, how do you have all these followers? And there's people literally in the crowds like laughing like, they think it's a joke, too. And I'm like, are you serious? It's messed up. It's like when, um, because I think it happened to Shia LaBeouf also, because he was, like, part of an installment art thing, I can't remember, where he was blindfolded and uh sitting on a chair, and, like, someone groped him. But no one took it seriously. They're just like, eh, whatever. Like, he's a guy. He probably liked it. Which is messed up because again, that's his body. They should have asked him if it was okay first. And then this one really got me. I didn't know that this was, this happened, but, um, a minor boy rape victim can legally be forced to pay child support to the rapist. And I was like, what? This is how incels are created, you know? Like, this is how you make young men hate women. Like, the, person raped him, but he's paying her child support. It doesn't make any sense. It's, I don't know. That one, that one really got me. I was, especially like anything that has to do with children get me because he was a young man or not young man, young individual, a boy. And he was put into this situation by an adult. And yet he has to pay the consequences, even though it wasn't his fault. And that just, uh, that's gonna, that's gonna really ruin him for life. Okay. And then this next one is 
there are hiring quotas that, before the quota is met, effectively disqualifies men from a position because of their gender. That's just like outright unfair. I think, um, I think this came about because I know like as feminists, we want to see more representation of women in the workplace and we want to see more representation in management and leadership. And that's really great. And I like that we are seeing more women in the workplace take leadership roles in my department alone, like in my project alone, like my director's female, my assistant director is female out of all the managers, only three of them are male and the rest are female. So um I do like seeing that. And some of my favorite managers have been female and that's great. You know, like they definitely deserve the spot that they're in. They're very intelligent women. They're very um great managers too. They make great managers. But my problem with, you know, having there being a hiring quota is that how's that fair? Again, as feminists, we're fighting for equality, yet we are not allowing men the same opportunity as us to get into a certain position. You know, like if you take Sally and Joe, they grew up in the same neighborhood, went to the same school, went to the same college, you know, had the same degree, did the same types of internships, got the same type of work experience, but say Joe just did slightly more and had better reviews at the, his like internships and stuff because he just did work better and he was more analytical and more, you know, willing to do extra work. And, um, he was just like a step above Sally. How is it fair that he gets rejected, but she gets the job, even though she probably did less than him, didn't quite perform as well as he did? Um, How is it fair that she gets the job, but he doesn't? You know what I mean? And the fact that there's a quota goes against the equal employment opportunity principle that we have here in America. So in America, we have this Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. They are a, a government group who is responsible for enforcing federal laws that make it illegal to discriminate against a job applicant or an employee because of the person's race, color, religion, sex, national origin, and age. Oh, and just and disability. So if it, if having a quota and disqualifying a man because of his gender is not only unfair, but goes against that equal employment opportunity. So it doesn't make sense that this exists. And there's some like statistics I kind of already knew, um, but I just never really like thought about it, I guess, which is kind of sad because like, uh, for example, males commit suicide at over triple the rate of non-males. Over 60% of the homeless are male, like the homeless population are male. And you know, these are, these are pretty big issues, you know, that aren't really, I feel like aren't really looked into. Like the statistic is there and it's pretty well known and I've known about it even like in high school, but I don't know if anything's really being done about it or like people don't care because in general, men's issues are just not as seen as, as high of a severity as women's issues. 
even though literally men are killing themselves more than women are. There's clearly some type of issue there that needs to be researched. And then another one, men do not have access to to hormonal contraceptive. I think this one, both feminists and men's right activists should join together on that because it's it's completely unfair that women have to subject themselves to hormones to to not have children, but it's also unfair to men that their only contraceptive are condoms. Because in this list, it also talks about how it's sometimes seen as acceptable for a man to be deceived by his partner seizing contraception in order to get pregnant. And so if there is a contraception for men, then men can control that option for them, you know, um, that way they, they're not accidentally impregnating someone or being deceived into impregnating someone. I think birth control for both men and women are a great <laughs> idea and a useful tool, especially if you don't want any unplanned pregnancies. So I think that one feminists can agree on that should be something that our society works towards. And this last one, I kind of mentioned already, but men's issues are not seen as similar or of similar importance according to the severity when compared to women's issues. Men and boys are often told they have male privilege, while as deduced by the existence of men's issues, women have a legitimate form of female privilege, which is a taboo phrase. If men find they are experiencing misfortune as a result of their gender, it can be disregarded as privilege backfiring or part of the patriarchy. And like I mentioned before, everyone struggles. Everyone is oppressed in some way. Everyone has some type of hardship and they all matter because we're all human and this world we live in isn't perfect. So we are going to, you know, come across issues. And I think it's unfair as women to dismiss men's issues because we are fighting for them to recognize ours. So shouldn't we also be able to recognize theirs again, back to the golden rule? So yes, women historically have had to deal with all kinds of torment, and we still do to to an extent, but that doesn't make men's issues any less valid. Like I said, we're all still human and have to get through life and coexist as best we can. There's just so much division in our country, it's, it's so exhausting. People are stuck in their own world. If you're not with them, you're against them. People would rather fight each other than try to understand each other. It's like in TV shows when something dramatic could have been avoided if the two parties just took the time to communicate with each other and share their side of the story. As a viewer, you're probably thinking to yourself how easily avoidable that situation would have been. Yet, we don't actively practice open communication, especially those of the opposing side. So I think if we all learned to listen to each other, like truly listen and actually absorb the information being presented to us, we really could discover how much we actually have in common and how much we can just learn from each other. As a feminist, I think it's important to look into these men's rights and understand their movement as well so that we can be better advocates for each other and so that we can work together for equal rights and for equality. Because right now, not just right now, but for a long time, 
people are always stuck in this us against them mentality when really we're all just trying to exist together. All right, well, that's a wrap. If you enjoy what you hear and want to stay up to date on the show, please follow me on Facebook and or on Instagram. You can also check out my website at thetalkativeintrovertpodcast.com. All the information will be on there as well as in the show notes. Please help support the show by sharing it with your friends and family. Thanks so much, and I'll talk to you guys in the next episode.